You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts. So this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast, where we are recording an, a bonus episode with super fan RJ, so he can give us his opinion of the Pride films that we talked about this month through the lens of somebody who's in that community. I just felt like it was the responsible thing for us to do. Plus, RJ and I like talking about the movies, and we just thought it would be a fun addition and a, a fun bonus for you guys. So we are going to kick it off by talking about Love, Simon. What did you like about Love, Simon? What did you respond to? So Love, Simon is at the four movies was my favorite. If you could see my notes in front of me, I actually took almost three pages of notes. <laughs> it was the most relatable in the context of the family connection between when Simon came out, the dad like apologized for all of the misguided comments that he was making in because if you do watch the movie he makes a lot of frat bro comments that's just like dude and uh i think i got a little teary-eyed this last go around when jennifer garner america's mom did her i've always known Mm -hmm. i just want you to be happy type spiel Mm -hmm. gosh i wrote down the actual scripting uh, that she said uh but i thought it was hilarious uh, as well because there was also a lot of commentary about like uh, at the end uh, towards the end uh there is a uh, football game and at the football game the mascot who's played by <laughs> martin comes in and goes you're into bears right, right. <laughs> right. which in gay culture is hilarious right. <laughs> um so to all... back up just a little bit how did the the seen it uh, kind of the end of that arc where the dad apologizes in his weird awkward kind of way in the parking lot how did that land for you was that a believable interaction between the dad who didn't really kind of know what to do how to say things and the son yes because he actually the uh, I, one of the jokes is in there he's like let's sign up for grinder right um, <laughs> which is like oh the you know it's uh, the pendulum of i was this mm-hmm. frat bro dad now i need to be an ally and pro this so quick google search of it's the <laughs> right. facebook for gays <laughs> not true don't look that up on a work computer <laughs> so it rang true that the dad would try to be so so much support that it kind of would go a little too far. But still ignorant. <laughs> <Yes. right>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But that that tracks because it was it's new to the dad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's got some learning to do. And we actually established uh, that he doesn't know technology very well with the whole uh, slideshow. Oh, thing yeah. As well. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. 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 What did you think of the acting of the teens? The acting of the teens was really good. I The writing frustrated me. Mm-hmm. More so of like, if you did, looked at the screenshots of the emails, they only sent like 10 emails back and forth. Mm-hmm. But Simon was like, I love blue. And it's like, <laughs> after 10 emails. <laughs> well, those <What>? are powerful <laughs> emails. Oh, that's interesting. But from a writing perspective, I can... Uh, I can sympathize and acknowledge that like when you're trying to find your people because in this world for Simon and for most gay guys, girls and those that are transgendered, 
don't know what it's like to have a cr- or knows what it's like to have a crush but not be crushed back because mm. um, it's what's the statistics one in ten people are actually right. in the community so when you're talking about you know in a traditional hetero cisgendered relationship you have a you know fifty percent men fifty percent women so already half the population if you're straight is not into you because they're your same gender mm-hmm. we're make you know. To now go to a tenth of the population and now go to a subset of that population. So the instant of like, oh, there's this person who might like me. Mm-hmm. That actually rang pretty true. And I think younger RJ probably did a couple of those of like, <laughs> I think I found the one. I think uh, I'm in right. love. <laughs> yeah. What well, did you think about him choosing to tell the, I'm forgetting her name, the friend who he don't he had only known for. Not s- Leah, the other, the new girl who just had come that year. Uh, yes. Abby. I think it was Abby. I think it's Abby, yeah. It made sense because it wasn't crushing anything. It wasn't, it was... Lower risk, right? Yeah, lower risk because if I'm not losing a 10-year, 20-year, no, like their high school 16-year friendship um, versus I'm losing a six-month friendship. Mm -hmm. So there's that, you know... So is is that kind of common to have a kind of almost a, a, a test coming out? Mm. Very much so. Uh, there is a stereotype and it's awful and it's like bi today, gay tomorrow. So a lot mm. of people that come out as gay actually do come out as bi to test the waters. Yeah, because, see the re- reception. Yeah, there's a little bit of like, oh, there's still a chance that could be <laughs> air quoting normal. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. So, so the, oh, there is, uh, the plot was driven forward by... Simon basically being willing to do anything, even to his dearest friends, to prevent being outed. Yeah. Right. And and that was pretty extreme. But of course, teenagers do wacky things. And so I was curious from your perspective, like, is that believable that uh, a character would set kind of sabotage his bestest friends to uh, just to preserve that secret because this other weenie is trying to is threatening to blackmail yes uh most definitely i think that uh you think that's the most important thing and like my world will end so i could see the believability and Mm -hmm. the acting around that was a a very impressive and i i relatable Mm -hmm. in a lot of contexts Martin was like a character where I said, why do I love him and hate him? Because <laughs> uh, when uh, there was a scene where in the Waffle House where he was like yeah. gassing up uh, Abby and I was just like, what a good guy. Wait, we hate him. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a tricky character because I think there were times that I kind of liked Martin, but, but he I was think annoying. Believable. Yeah. Having been an awkward teen, mm-hmm. right, who mm-hmm. relied on who humor to, to get past everything, right? Mm-hmm. I totally got it. I remember when he said, uh, Simon told him, girls don't want to read your T-shirts. And my response as a viewer was, oh, gosh, I actually thought those were funny. <laughs> I wrote that down <laughs> as a question. Do girls want to read your T-shirt? Question <laughs> mark. I, I, I don't think so. Maybe some. I, I don't know. I like that. What did you think of uh, Tony Hale as the vice principal? Uh, fun, hilarious, comedic relief. In fact, the, the the when Simon gets outed, forced outed, I was outed in a similar setup by my sister. So oh. I know kind of how that is like, but I liked his like, so we were, when I said we're like-minded <laughs> right, yeah. and a lot alike, I just want to confirm it's not that. <laughs> right. uh, been there, done that. I can't tell you how many times that's like, just want to make sure like no homo, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
<laughs> what did you think of the drama teacher as like when she was kind of putting the bully in her place? Did you have a teacher Hilarious. like right when you have loved somebody to just slay the bully like that? Yeah. But we said we didn't think it was probably realistic that a teacher because they risk kind of getting in trouble for being inappropriate, even though... I do think those kids crossed a certain line, though, that allowed a teacher to respond in a way that was befitting the crime. Oh, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no. Oh, it totally makes sense to me, and I thought it was justified because they were attempting to embarrass him publicly, so to dress them down publicly seems fitting for the crime, right? Mm -hmm. However, I I do worry in the modern world that people would be uh, overreaction... Right. They, they would not see it in the context of, of what it was. But I think it played well for me, even though it's a little unrealistic, I felt, because I think we all liked that as the mm-hmm. viewer. We, we were so sympathizing for, for Simon to see those idiots be taken down was like, OK, <laughs> like, I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I thought that the scene where they're in the vice principal's office and he oh. makes them apologize was actually, I thought, realistic that I, I felt, found it unfulfilling. As an apology to me. But I was like, that's probably what you would get. Yeah. And then the vice principal's comment of like, they're lovers. And they're like, no, we're just two friends that (laughs) don't like each other at all. Right. Uh, Also been there. Right. Clearly you're hanging out with a gay. So you're. Yeah. You're lumped in together. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. What about the scene kind of when he does that final post right before the Ferris wheel? And now. A lot of the students went from kind of looking at him when he walked through the halls to now they're they're like pro Simon and they're behind him. Do you I mean, does that ring true that that all the students would do this amazing heel turn and completely no, uh, no. <laughs> I, at least for my high school days, no. Right, right. Um, and could the production crew uh, not spring for a bigger Ferris wheel? Because, <laughs> like, all the high school kids surrounding the Ferris wheel, while poor Simon's just going around, going around. <laughs> right. Um, that so, scene. Go ahead. But that was an interesting. I mean, I'm curious what your perspective is, because he went from hiding to putting himself literally up on a Ferris wheel lit for the entire world to see. Mm-hmm. And does, but is that part of the journey? Is that common for that? Like you've been hiding for so long that you kind of overreact at first about like, I'm here. And then like, oh, wait, maybe I really want to find this middle ground. Well, and I question that. So I'd love to hear to know what you think about this. Because, okay, Simon put himself out there. He did the post. He knew he right. was going to do that. But then the kid who came up with everyone standing right. around, yeah. I don't think he would feel comfortable kind of no. being that public so soon. I mean, because he was closeted up until and he still could remain closeted because yeah. nobody knew who he was. So it's a great ending to a movie. Yeah. Very Hollywood. It, it made it, it satisfied the, oh, they're a cute couple. But right. in plausibility real, reality, I don't. I agreed. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it seems like as I remember being that age, um, you don't want that much attention. Mm-hmm. Almost no one wants to be that and, much and the, the center of attention. And all the attention on Simon, so you can just, you know, it's very easy yeah. for you to just kind of get away. 
Yeah, I, I think even if it was um, hetero couple, the mm-hmm. other person, it would be really daunting to to walk up like, oh yeah, no, I'm not with so and so. It just seems like that was, but it did make for a good good kind of Hollywood moment. Yes, mm-hmm. a sweet ending. Okay, I, is there anything else you want to say? I was going to say for the a lot of the writing of, um, I enjoyed the fact that the montages of who Blue was, the character changed every yeah, time. Yeah, that was the actor, clever. Slash mm-hmm. character changed. And it totally could have been that uh, theater kid. Um, uh-huh. And I actually think the theater kid was like, but wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me, but. Let's go get coffee. Yeah. yeah. Um, but almost all the writing I felt was pretty believable in that, like, Simon was getting lost in, like, Lyle at the Waffle House was talking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also so crushing at the coffee and the coffee at the football game where he's like, so what about your friend? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, cool. um, good movie. My one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Watched it last, expecting the least from it. So oh, wow. I watched the movies uh, in order of most interesting to least interesting. <laughs> in my what in my opinion was, and then turned out watching them, I watched them worst to best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys can't wait to hear which one he thought was the worst. All right. So you want you love Love Simon. That's love, your favorite. Love Simon. Okay. Yes. I wanted that bedroom. That was pretty cool. Pretty yeah. big too. That house was pretty ginormous for a therapist and a what? I don't even know what he did. Ex quarterback. Is that a sandwich a artist at Subway oh, for yeah. doing the <laughs> home shows? <laughs> All right. What was your next favorite? My next favorite was uh, the Netflix special, The Half of It. Mm. Um, I didn't write much notes on it beyond I was a little frustrated with the ending. Everyone, there was no conclusions. I like movies with ends. And (laughs) so um, this is one where I... Do we... Is she... I didn't really catch, is she a lesbian? Or is she just like bi or poly oh. um, where because at one point I said oh gosh uh, was is Paul falling for L?" and the next scene was a no and then like four scenes later it was like well maybe and then Elle, was that like when they kissed yeah when Paul tried to kiss tried Elle. to kiss Ellie yeah mm-hmm. and also was this plot not done like a couple other times but in like a heterosexual relationship? Oh, yeah, it's Cyrano this... de Bergerac. Yeah. Okay, it feels yeah, yeah. very familiar while also adjacent of yes. nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She she didn't set out, the, the writer-director didn't set out to do Cyrano, but as she started writing it, she started because um, she's a lesbian and she had a very close male friend in college and they were each other's person Mm -hmm. and in a platonic way, just very good friends. And she wanted to explore that relationship. And then as she started writing it, she realized, oh, this could very easily be a Cyrano de Bergerac kind of Mm -hmm. idea. And so she just continued to write it that way. And so I... Uh, because I had that context in doing some research, I never saw that Ellie liked Paul any any more than just a friend. Mm-hmm. She grew. I mean, she, he was annoyance when she first meets him. Sure. But then she grows to like him as a friend. And I think see kind of like what Mike talked about in the episode where we talked about it, that he came off kind of dumb when we first meet him. Kind of. <laughs> But as we get to know him, we see that he's more just kind of 
simple. He lives in a small town. His family probably dominates most of his time. Sausage. Right? <laughs> but and don't arguing. you want a sausage taco? I do. Not really. Did you oh, not no. see it was I'm just in. a piece of sausage and some tortilla? Well, throw a little like mango but slaw Ellie in there. and her dad really enjoyed them. They chowed down. So see, I think, see, the question I had was whether or not he came up with different spices that went in there. Did he make like, like a chorizo? Cumin, yeah, or a chorizo or something. So that could have been that it really was about the sausage and not about the tortilla. So. <laughs> So, but see, the development between Ellie's dad and Paul made me think that there was something else like this relationship. Maybe this is, uh, a, you know, the B of LGBTQ, the bisexual, like maybe like that's not that's more than just friends. I can count on like two fingers how many friends I have that I hang out with their parents with them not being present. So I thought that was an interesting it was only in montages, I think, that they were there. Th- those two characters developing a relationship just didn't seem right if there wasn't a love interest in the end for me, for sure. Paul and Ellie. Mm-hmm. And then Paul classically chasing after the train just was like a love story, but it was like a love story with no happy ending because Paul's just going to stick behind and make sausage, sausage tacos. tacos. <laughs> right. It was just so, it was a dissatisfying ending. Yeah, interesting because uh, I I feel like from a plot perspective it was set up that way because in the first act he talks about why is he doing sausage because this is all his mom has and he doesn't want her to be alone now that his grandmother has died so I very much see Paul as this salt of the earth guy that yeah he's he's gonna wear Carhartt and live in that town for the rest of his life Mm -hmm. that's just kind of who he is. And him running after the train is more him saying goodbye, wishing her on her way to Grinnell Yale. College, yeah. I think. Um, but anyway, uh, so to me, uh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from, but I feel like it it kind of makes sense for the characters. But are they but, friends? Like that was the way I couldn't end. Like, are they friends or is she still like an employee? Because he was paying her for <laughs> to write those letters the whole time. So the, like the, the relationship never moved beyond like, because she's like, well, if it doesn't work out, you paid me. Right, right. I wonder if for her, was it, a employee employer relationship oh no it wasn't by the end of the film they were friends i think yeah, the chasing absolutely. of the scene the, but it was still frustrated me because it was uh you say show don't tell and they mm. showed a little bit of it but they never really said of like we're best friends i forgot the girl's name what's the girl the love interest laurel aster, aster. i don't know why i'm saying laura um aster made more plans to hang out with ellie in a couple of years, which didn't make sense mathematically for me of like, you thought they were graduating, but um, together, but uh, I felt like Aster was making more plans to hang out with a future relationship of whatever dot, dot, dot that might be. Didn't, yeah. I felt like Aster was open to a relationship with Ellie. Absolutely. That's why she, they went down to the pool, the little. Yeah. The hot springs. Yeah. That was her kind of. That was trying. a come on. Yeah. But I don't think she knew at the time. Well, I th- I wonder if she had feelings for her. I think Aster is questioning the whole time. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. That's how it, it landed for me. Uh-huh. Is um I felt like her relationship with the whoever the 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 jock was was just what um what she what was, was given. Expected. Yeah, that was the the only thing available. 
right? And then Paul comes along and she's like, okay, I don't want the simpleton. Like, I don't want a mouth breather. Um, so there was that, that possibility. I felt like Aster came across to me as a character who didn't know. I don't think she really wanted Paul for no. his looks, but she was attracted to what Ellie was saying through Paul. Right. The, the, and so the she was words. like, okay, I'm not so sure about this. Right. But what the texts I'm getting. Right. That original letter that Paul wrote that Ellie had to go off, that was like a bad online dating profile. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> That's awesome. It was. It was. Okay, but you liked this one. This it was, was good. It was not as good as Love, Simon, but right, it was right. second. Uh, Central Casting did an A-plus job of finding a white all-American cast that yeah. could play everything. Um, in fact, what bothered me a lot was that the cool guy um, still looked good in a, a Canadian tuxedo. Um, <laughs> and also, of course, he sings in a band. Right. like, But horribly... Right. I, 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 yeah, not good. I, you see, well, and, but and, the crowd liked them. Right. Yeah, they did. But and I, that's more popularity. Don't you remember? Like we did air band and the popular kids, whether they were good or not, were the ones that everybody lost their minds over. And then somebody would get up there that actually could sing, but wasn't in kind of the cool kids crew. And I, I think part of why I didn't like this movie is I wrote one line that bothered me and it was from Astor's letter to paul that was the oppression of being popular please right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's we have no sympathy for characters like that. Yeah, zero sympathy for the pretty privilege <laughs> i can't help it that i'm pretty right. oh people just give it's me so, things for free right. oh this is so horrible it's such a burden yeah that was that that was the letter that was people i can't yeah yeah that didn't ring true. I could not relate to that. So, but I but, could... but is it factual or is it a little bit based in reality that that kind of a person would feel that way? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. we don't agree. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she, or we have no sympathy. She yeah. even says there's a line in there. She says something about like when you're pretty and I know it sounds arrogant to say that, but I am like, well, yeah. I think that's realistic. I think pretty girls in high school uh, know they're pretty and, and, and they're okay with that. Right. And they can never have a bad hair day. But then they show her at like the mud bogging contest sitting there looking wistfully off. Like I wish someone would quote Greek poets to me. Um, so they kind of established it, but yeah, I'm not losing any sleep over no. Aster's tough oppression. <laughs> Sorry, and pretty people. She wasn't the brightest to not tell that there was someone in the car writing text messages. Yeah, that's we talked yeah. about that. This, <laughs> Sorry if this is repeating no, anything. No, 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 no. Yeah, you, you, you spotted it, it too. It, it, it definitely, I think it was way too obvious. I think a lot of audiences, I don't know why she didn't have him, because I think it could have easily been fixed if he just held his phone down in his lap. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have to take it off of the table. Then it right. could have been believable that the text she got. But I could see the writer saying, but he's not that smart. <laughs> right? Yeah. right. But we basically called out that Aster then wasn't that smart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that's okay. But um, I, I think, yeah, the, the natural consequence of that scene is that Aster's not that bright. Right. I actually think the yeah. character in other cases seemed a bit more bright. To me, that scene was the anomaly, but it's a good point. Maybe she didn't have to be. I've seen that. And, and, you know, when I was in high school, pretty people didn't have to work at being very smart. I would hope that if I was at a date with someone and I just started texting them on my phone, they would, being two feet away from me, right, go, like, what? Excuse me? 
why are you texting me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she didn't appear to ever question that. But I think they set it up like, oh, I'm not so good with my words. So I'm going to type. However, wouldn't she say, but I don't want to spend the rest of my life getting text messages. Yeah. You got to figure this one out. But she she had to realize that what I'm getting on the text is far better than what this guy is getting. Yeah, that was another thing by the premise, by the bit. But it's like his dialogue is such moronic right Right. that you it doesn't make any sense that a person could be that literate with text but that illiterate with their but i also think that's why he fell for ali because at the same time of him building like a rapport and relationship on comfortability with Mm -hmm. ali he was falling i think he ultimately like if there were to be a sequel i bet you it's him falling in love with her Mm -hmm. and then her isn't that interesting? I didn't get that at all, but I was curious that that was that's how it landed for you. She taught her ping pong, ping pong, ping pong, <laughs> ping pong. Yeah, is that I, the uh, I, sign I, of eternal love? <laughs> I guess for that generation, maybe yeah. they t- they play I a lot think of he it. He had a little thing for her. I saw that. I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would hope so because I would hope he wouldn't um, reach out to make out with someone who he didn't have a thing for. Like force kiss, right? It uh, would be it would be creepy if he. No, I think teen boys will kiss anything. <laughs> well, not anything. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that. Not anything. Not anything. Well, okay. Was it showing how clumsy he was in in knowing the cue? Which I thought I would think I would... read it as he was that desperate. It's just anyone, like he he wasn't that picky. Or was he so dim that he didn't realize when she said? How do you know when to kiss him that she was asking for her and he misread it as, oh, she's asking so that. That means she wants it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Because he felt like she was doing what he said you should do mm-hmm. if you are ready for a kiss. Mm-hmm. So another one in the dim column for poor Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I get Cloudburst is your next yes. favorite. So Cloudburst, not the 1951 World War II video about no. a wife dying from a code breaker. Oh, no. Oh. Did you watch <laughs> also that one, too? On Amazon. <laughs> oh. I was, it took me like five minutes to go, okay, which one is it? Oh, no. <laughs> right. I know I need to start including the year yes. so that people can find it from there. So no, this is the 2011 Cloudburst. I, I clicked the wrong one, and then I'm like, this can't be right. This can't, <laughs> this can't be <laughs> A romantic love story it has to be the other one, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, I think that's hilarious. If like they secretly filmed in 1951 a lesbian love story, but made it seem like it wasn't. Yes. <laughs> so ha, 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 they got to pass the the censors, you know, yeah. that way. Okay. So once you found the right one, what did you think? Cute. Yeah. Very cute. Um, things bothered me uh one that production company wolf makes a lot of lgbtq plus i think that's their specialty of Mm. movie genres i was a little concerned when i saw it because most of it is borderline like maybe hbo maybe the a degree of like a relationship content that hbo maybe not put on so i was Mm. a little concerned when you when you sent the when that was the video i was like oh Maybe this isn't as good. <laughs> like, what am I going to be watching? <laughs> but this was actually like you could have been on ABC mm-hmm. at like 
two o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. and, it's ref- and referring to like sexual content. Mm-hmm. Well, except for the language. I think that would be oh, a little yeah. rough to get on broadcast <laughs> yeah. television. Maybe I'm like ignorant to language because I didn't notice it. Yeah. Well, I it doesn't bother me at all, but it's definitely at the Kevin Smith level. It didn't yeah. bother me, but it was more kind of hearing Olympia Dukakis speak of how she wanted to enjoy Katie Lang's lady parts, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. I clutched my pearls a bit, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I don't know, perhaps. But which um, is fine. I mean, it wasn't, a, like, it didn't repulse me, but it was like, I think right. it was just the disposition of an yeah. older person speaking in that way is yeah. what was more probably. But the, the character of Stella was, I mean, rough and ready. Yep. So I um I suppose that maybe that, that didn't. How did that land for you? Did that seem a realistically foul mouth? <laughs> yeah. I think that's partially as the language felt so natural. Like mm-hmm. it was, she wasn't, the swearing and the language that she was using wasn't uh, forced. It was very yeah. much of like when uh, Dodie's getting ripped away, that that would be a natural re- reaction mm-hmm. is right. to react that way mm-hmm. and bang things, hit things. Tackle the cops. That's tackle, a common yeah. response. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so funny. So did you see A Secret Love, the documentary on Netflix? No. Okay. Because it felt like this was almost based on that story. Okay. Yeah, I talked about it in our episode. It's two women, and one of them actually played on the, what was it, the Pittsburgh Peaches? The the Mm. baseball team that is in... um, A League of Their Own? A League of Their Own. She was on that team, and her and her, I don't think they were married, because I think when the film took place, it wasn't legal in the u.s and i believe one of their nieces wanted to put them in a home and they wanted to be independent in their own home and so it just very much paralleled this film and i just wondered if it was inspired by i never found anything like that but i it reminded me of it so her performance rang true what did you think of i guess like their relationship as a couple because they're two as far as i know straight women playing yeah, the relationship I felt really believable. Like the um, and when they're in, it sounds weird in bed together mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it yeah. was very authentic. The jokes, the inside jokes, mm-hmm. and it's I know they're actors and that's scripted, but it's to script jokes and make it seem natural mm-hmm. felt good. But also a lot of the writing, like uh, having to come out constantly, is something mm-hmm. that uh, I have to do in my daily life. And also, oh, my friend or my partner and like right. ungender the person. So right. um, uh, I wondered if Molly was blind. Oh, a <laughs> um, daughter? The, the daughter. Oh, the daughter, yeah. the granddaughter. The granddaughter, oh, I'm she sorry. Was, um, she's blind. Yeah. And then her, her, <laughs> no, Dodie's blind. Her yeah. daddy's blind. Her <laughs> husband who plays the, uh, is the cop. Right. Right. He's aware. He's yeah. fully aware. Yeah. And he reacts like, Everyone knows. Like, yeah. What are, are you? But I, I accept that Molly. as Molly it's... was willfully setting it aside. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I can't think of Grandma in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. Well, she made the comment at the towards the very end where your mom never forgot me or forgave me when I left your grandfather. And Molly responded with, "Yeah, me either." I'm like, "That's right. not your place." <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't be mad at your grandma. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Because when you see them together and you see, like, Stella taking care of her, like, don't you want that for your loved one? Like, they had tr- they had true love. It was so sweet. Right. 
Although I did worry about Stella's drinking. <laughs> Maybe get that under control. Well, bit. if they would let him stay home, then she Fair could. Fair enough, right? <laughs> I thought that was Prentice's drinking. Was that Stella's drinking? I think they were both sharing a bottle. Yeah, yeah. I think, they, I think yeah. they both were, were heavily involved. So I'm curious from your perspective, when uh, they first meet Prentice and he's hitchhiking with this whole thing with his, his his jeans, I felt like he was a hustler. That was that was the message I got. As if one hundred percent. Okay. The also he didn't have a bag. Not uh, really. He was not in a city, so like, where, where did he come from? Also, does he own a shirt with buttons? I have so many questions. <laughs> Do they work? <laughs> yeah, it was funny when I read that there was full frontal male nudity and lots of it. We were assuming that it would be Prentice yes. after those scenes, and then it was uh, the other fella, his stepdad, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a stepdad, yeah. mom's it, boyfriend. Yeah, mom's or boyfriend, something he like does that. Say dad. So does he? Dad. I didn't catch that, but um, yeah. So that, that character, and and uh, and I have to say, I'm not really sure why. If you wake up and there's a strange blind woman in your bed, that your instinct is to roll on top of her and teabag her instead of like jumping off the bed and, and shrieking. But I for comedy. A lot of the like, a lot of the writing that's was what made this not my favorite at all. Okay, like the the, the relationship, the storytelling there, I liked, but mm-hmm. like. Who gives their car to a hitchhiker they just met? Right. Person. And like, uh, there's some things, you know, that just didn't make sense to me of like, now Mm -hmm. he's the live-in houseboy or going to be. They know each other for like two or three days, at least from my understanding of the timeline. They can go to meetings together, I guess. Meet. Like, AA meetings oh, okay. for their drinking problems, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, I think if if you if you broke that down like that, maybe some of that doesn't make so much sense to mm-hmm. me though. Um, the relationship between Dot and Stella, kind of that was the core of the film, and I responded to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were pulling for them. You wanted them mm-hmm. to not only be able to get to Nova Scotia so they could get married, but then that they could live on their own and continue. But then at the end, we talked about. Stella kind of realizes, oh, maybe I can't take care of her. Mm-hmm. And so she has to put her own kind of like ego or wishes aside so that they can be safe. Yeah. And then the whole almost drowning part. I have I have issues with this, a lot of the scenes created, like Dodie almost drowning. I don't recall. What, like a foot and a half of water? Yeah. Like, Why well, were they rushing? That my just... question was, does this does the tide come in in five minutes in Nova Scotia? <laughs> right. I, uh, was there a tsunami? But, yeah. <laughs> and then, so Dottie does see shapes, like we see the vision of Dottie's mm-hmm. vision, so she's blind, but then when you see f- through her eyes, right. she's not so blind. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> I, I still, and my question in my notes is like, who who tries to make a blind woman run across an estuary? That seems to be a, a non-starter from the the beginning. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we're just gonna have to walk because Dottie can't see that well. Right. Because they could have walked at a like a standard pace and and probably have gotten out of there. Like you said. Right. The, yeah. the the um, surf wasn't coming in that soon. Yeah. That scene had problems. Yeah. It's interesting because when I watched this the first time, not having done any research, I felt like this could possibly have been written by a straight person because I felt like some of the things just didn't ring true to me. Mm-hmm. And then when I find out it is, you know, an LGBTQ uh, person who wrote this and directed it, but you had story issues, but they weren't related to 
LGBTQ issues. No, they're just bad flow. Like at the the opening, I don't know if it's the opening scene, but the, when you introduce the relationship and uh, you don't realize Dodie's blind until they're out on right. the on yeah. the like the beach, the beach, kind of. and t- describe the colors to me and the uh, what do the clouds look like? Donkey carrying two nuns and a beagle. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. I was like, that's really cute and loving, uh, yeah. and like that's like I want a relationship like that. <laughs> yeah. But then, and maybe it was bad film editing or making or writing or whatever on the, when they showed, when you can see through Dodie's eyes, you could see. It was like cataracts and blurry, but not, you could see color. Mm -hmm. And so that's my frustration of just like, I'm a believability. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's blind because she's literally, I, another thing I wrote is like, if so frustrating, Dodie sees shapes, why doesn't she look at Stella when she's having that and confessing her love for her in that bed she's literally looking the other direction and when she's having an honest conversation about like no we're getting married i want to spend the rest of my life with you but imagine it having that conversation and the person's looking 180 degrees the other direction (laughs) at the wall well, was she nervous? Maybe I, I don't know. But did she not want to? Are you talking about the, eye contact? The, it's at near the, the very end. end. Oh, right. the end. When they so, have the Airbnb, I, but they don't really tell what it is. Oh, okay. right. And so I, I thought that Brenda Fricker, I think, is the name of the mm-hmm. actress who played mm-hmm. not. I thought she did a very good job acting while lying down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that is interesting. There's the scene where Apprentice waves his hand in front of her to say she's blind, and then she says later, "Don't do that again." So yeah, there's kind of this this movable line. But is that like a funny character? How she uses it to her own advantage? Like when it's time to clean the dishes, you're like, "Oh, blind, right. can't do yeah. it." Sorry. <laughs> and for Stella, did she have a little bit of the White Knight syndrome? I need somebody to rescue. I need yeah. somebody to mm. take care of. Yeah. I need somebody yeah. to feel important because she needs me. Well, right. I wonder if also if it was great acting on the love story, mm-hmm. but terrible acting on what it's like to be partially blind. Well, except for yeah, it's interesting because be. when they were at the border crossing and he did wave his hand, right. I see Brenda blink and I went, oh, geez, you, you can't just like, you know, it's coming, can't you? And then right. he, when she says, if you do that again, and I went, wow, she did that on purpose. Right. I was just like, yeah, that was impressed. Okay. So cloudburst, right. good, but also believable in the storyline. It was written, I, it was produced in the late aughts, um, yes. and not knowing where or how to get married, totally believable. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do? It was a thing in Canada for about five, ten years before America. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was totally believable. Of like, what do we do if we want to do this thing? Mm-hmm. Let's do this thing. Yeah, and I always found that interesting about that whole issue of marriage because they honor marriage certificates from any other jurisdiction due to reciprocity. So it's kind of like, so you just don't want to fill out the paperwork and take the money? That seems a little odd yeah. mm-hmm. to me. But I, 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 it landed well for me that, that that they were like, okay, well, you know, we got to drive over to Canada because right wherever they were, Massachusetts or Maine, I think it was, or Maine, right? Yes, they lived um, in Maine. And, yeah. LA. and so that to me, though, was kind of, the, the story of Stella was willing to bust her out of the prison, I mean, old folks home, <laughs> right. and, and take this road trip. And I thought that was that was just fun right there on its own. It was a fun way to kick off the film. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. It gives a road trip a meaning. Yes, yes. I mean, it ended at an Irish bar for the wedding, where suddenly 
Apprentice became Irish? Did I the only one that caught the <laughs> accent change? Or was it when they drink, they become Irish? Because I, I literally wrote, where did the Irish accent come from? <laughs> I would bet I if you know. went to an Irish bar and you asked, I bet at least 30% of the people when they start drinking suddenly get an Irish accent. But it's always the Lucky Charms accent. Right. But, it's, yeah. it's never realistic. My last note on this movie was uh-huh. tragically abrupt ending. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to, I don't, I'm granted, did you guys tell what happens at the end? We may have, we don't, we don't protect spoilers. We I just talked about the film. I think we did. Oh, I think we had one little like hint, but so it has a tragic. It ending. has a tragic ending, but even though um, you the character development of Stella and Doty, you just want um, the one on for you want them to continue on, and yep. you want to know what it is. And I feel like Absolutely. it's a tragically abrupt ending. Mm-hmm. And also for cinematography, they're calling, talking about the clouds and the colors and how it's their favorite space. And then they show the cutout scene at the end. I wonder if you caught this, uh, both of you. Um, there was not a cloud in the sky. I didn't catch that because we were distracted mm-hmm. by they colored that that scene oh very much so and badly oh. I, I, sorry filmmakers because i know everybody tries hard to do but we we talked about this in our episode right. that just shoot it at golden hour so, because mm. there's a reason why my my what i <laughs> so wonder I that there were no clouds whether that's actually they had a reshoot and mm-hmm. the day of there were clouds and the beautiful golden hour mm-hmm. and for whatever reason it just was trashed out of focus they lost the footage whatever and they had to go back and so it's like okay we don't have a choice there are no clouds this is high noon we're gonna have to try to fix it in post mm-hmm. there was those weird shapeless clouds that are like thin layer in the, in yeah, the far cirrus, distance i think if i remember from the fifth grade but you obviously haven't met my mother because she could find donkeys and different things. Oh yeah, she is amazing at. at She's a master at at seeing mm-hmm. animals. Yeah, I don't see the same animals, but she sees them. <laughs> so she could have found them. <laughs> All right, and lastly, we were going to talk about Wild Nights with Emily, which you said you had a lot of thoughts. I've been waiting all day for this. Was this an LGBTQ movie? Because I didn't really. Besides the Emily Dickinson's character and with her. Right. sister-in-law so i just um, think it's an extended drunk history episode that yeah. was my feel <clears throat> so i don't know you probably have talked about it i feel like they had a really great idea and it landed and executed poorly where the big short did it correctly mm. um with the gar- regards of breaking the third mm-hmm. uh, wall fourth wall fourth, fourth wall. wall there's three now <laughs> <laughs> um where like big short i felt like copied that idea and just did it right mm-hmm. where this one felt forced and not real i mean at one point at the very beginning first off i like the older emily older actors that were playing the characters were way better Mm -hmm. than the younger actors i agree but i'm a huge molly shannon fan oh i wrote that down maybe it's just because i have a lady crush on stella (laughs) shannon chestnut (laughs) um that's her daughter oh that's that's see when you google the name you get the wrong one (laughs) Yeah, her daughter Stella played the red-haired girl, and her son was in it for a day, but he was bored, and so he wanted to just play. <laughs> so, But her daughter yeah. was the redhead. Oh, interesting. The little girl. I was a little concerned because when they were doing the cutbacks with the, uh, Emily walking down the after the Shakespeare Society, mm-hmm. and she's talking about, we must find a play where we get married earlier on in the play. I wrote forced acting slash writing question mark. Mm. It just seemed very like 
it sounds awful, but like the very bad acting before like a raunchy film. Oh, okay. I don't know how to word <laughs> oh, yeah. that. Stereotypical, like right. what you would imagine. Right. right. Uh, yeah. Because the very on the nose, very maybe direct. Right. And it might have been they were going after everything that wasn't in real time was supposed to be off my the drunk history. Right. Because even the guy that played uh, Edward Dickens, Emily's dad, was giving me John Lovitz vibes. Like, who's <laughs> business? Yeah, right. very good call. Well, yeah. That character also has the uh, delicious line of no one wants to marry her, not because of her like nervous condition or her plain features, but because she's too clever. No one wants a clever wife or something. It was just like a really kind of on the nose, like over the top, almost mustache twirling. Yeah. Well, right? wouldn't anyone be clever against Lavina? Lavinia? <laughs> Rel- yeah, relatively speaking. Oh, yeah. And Emily's brother does not seem to have much going on either. Right. That's how Susan and her were able to uh, sneak off together because right. everybody well, and was then, just oblivious. And then he takes his girlfriend for a ride in, in the horse and buggy right past his wife and children. Right. I mean, he's not that bright. except Susan's daughter. Yes. I loved that character that like when they come to the door and she's like, oh, go play. And she's like, tell Aunt Emily I said. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And later at the end of the movie, we see that she kind of is doing like a talk at at college or something. Right. Yeah. Speaking openly about her mother and her Aunt Emily. Emily, Yeah. Yeah. I was also trying to figure out what the, the narrator in the beginning also... The narr- I wrote the narration voiceover at the very beginning. It really was out through like almost the whole film was kind of over the top fake. I just, I don't know. I think that's why. I, I don't know if I set this one up the most to be like, oh, this one's going to be the most interesting because I like Molly Shannon. Right. Mm-hmm. But not, it didn't land. <laughs> yeah. This gets back to, we, we've talked about this before, that Leonard Malton, the movie reviewer, when he was asked, why is it that so many of your reviews are like, in the middle, basically like two and a half out of four stars was his ranking. And he said, because most films are good, not great, not horrible, right? You get a bunch of talented people all doing their very best, mm-hmm. right? All the pros that were there, the cast and the crew, they did their very best. And you just, if you're missing that magic, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't take off, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's interesting because I did a, I watched quite a few Q and A's that we mentioned in our episode and the direct writer director, I would say, had a, a crush on or, you know, really and it was inspired by Emily Dickinson. And then when she found out, she read this article that they had found these erasers and it proved that they rewrote history. And instead of being this pitiful, sad, they called her a spinster and they kind of put her in this corner and painted her a certain way. And when this evidence came out that this was the exact opposite, that she actually enjoyed life and she loved, she loved Susan very much and that they were a, you know, a thing and, and she loved writing and she wanted her poetry uh, published. When she found that out, I felt like she as probably a lesbian well, maybe this has nothing to do with it, but I would think she would, I want to make this, I want to write, I want to correct history. I'll say that that Mm -hmm. way. I want to correct history. And she is a comedic writer. So I think she thought she could marry the two of correcting history and doing it in a funny way. 
And I think it should have been a short drunk history episode instead of a full feature. Because a lot of the, the a lot of the serious moments mm-hmm. read to me and watched like I don't know if you've seen the movie or read the book Wit W-I-T um, I can't remember the actress it's a one woman show about a, um, a a literary professor coming to terms with the fact that she has ovarian cancer and dying and mm. chemo's done so it's done on I believe it's a one act just her on stage it's an amazing movie. It's got a British actress who I highly recommend. But it read like it was like when they were doing the 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 uh, uh, Emily Dickinson poets on poetry when the words would come on the thing and mm-hmm. they were getting these deep serious dives like the weird casket death coming to terms. Yeah, um, it read like she was going down that path, but then wham. Drunk history. Right. So, like, she was trying to do two things. Like, it could have been two different films that just happened to merge together. I think that's what it was. It was mm-hmm. tonally trying to do two things, and it was just too tricky. You need to pick, pick a lane. Yeah, and stick in that lane. Stick in that lane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With regards to believability of the characters, I mm-hmm. do feel like there was that young love that when you're mom stop listening when your parents are away you you know that instant cute romance i felt that was pretty believable and then the the same young love of like sneaking away and hanging out so i i thought it was believable but that's just Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. (laughs) what do you think about because let's see maybe not all the movies i was trying to quickly go through I don't know about Leah Lewis and I don't know about the kids in Love, Simon. But as far as I know, a lot of our actors were straight. Mm-hmm. And I'm so not offended by that. That doesn't bother you. No, I, it's the story that's portraying. Because I feel like if you're a parent wanting to know how to identify with your child, watch Love, Simon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good story about how even parents with the purest of intentions don't know they might have created a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. So, and how words can hurt, and mm-hmm. they don't might not they might not know. So I'm okay with that, especially if my mom's Jennifer Garner, right? <laughs> well, she might be taking applications. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I think that's a good place to end on. All right. Well, thank you. Oh, do you want to say one so? Last... Next year's gay movies. Okay. I just that's it right. just came out. Okay, Harry Potter. There's a gay love story in the Dumbledore movie. It just came out this weekend. If you uh, can Google it, that's when this is being filmed. And interesting plot twist to throw into a storyline that you wouldn't think. So So have you seen it? Yeah. HBO Max. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) Definitely going on the list. Yes. All right. For well, 2023, of course. Yes, yes. Well, thank you, RJ, for coming. And, You're welcome. And you. helping expand our minds and just kind of having another voice in the room. So we appreciate it very much. Yes. And we appreciate your loyalty and your listenership. I pre- I am actually the second guest because you don't you might not remember you had mm-hmm. Lee's voicemail as the first guest speaker I think that's from my listening. Well, we may also have, uh, did we air any uh, the footage with Dustin Morrow? Yes. Yeah. Oh. In our Irish month, I had mm-hmm. a professor of mine who uh, did an Irish film called Blackpool, and we had him on to talk about it. I've 
maybe I've forgotten that. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm third in line. Yes, yes. Listener but, Lee, but a professor from college, <laughs> then RJ. Yeah. Only in Thanks um, for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge um, of Dodge Media okay. Productions. Okay. I'll take that. Okay. To find out more about this podcast right, and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe. Dodges never stop. Share. Neither do the movies. Leave a comment and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies.